Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osman, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masechet Eruvin, daf Pevav, 86. So before we begin, we announced uh, the information for our CM for Masechet Eruvin. We encourage all of you to look on our Facebook page, our WhatsApp group, uh, for the form to register, and also to encourage people out there to please volunteer to share something for our CM. Uh, and uh, we look forward to finishing Masechet Hey, Reuven, on November 22nd with everybody. Yeah, it's uh, fast approaching. And um, also, I just want to say, you know, if you haven't spoken before at one of our Zoom and you're a little bit shy, we're a very safe space. Everybody's very comfortable. And really, you should feel comfortable to to share what you've gained or where you've had challenges or whatever in this Masachet. I think we all can can recognize that this uh, is a... it's. Well, every Gemara has its challenges, but this one, I think, because of all the visual that we keep talking about, it becomes even more complicated. Absolutely. So we really want to hear from all our uh, learners. Um, I'm going to start actually on the DAF before, uh, where we have our pal uh, Ben Bonias comes back. Ben Bonias atala kame de Rabbi. So the son of Ben Bonias this time came before Rabbi Huda Hanasi. Um, Amar Luhu, and apparently... He realized somehow from his, this is something that you sort of have to know, not, the doc doesn't say it directly, but he recognized from how he was dressed, right, that this was a very wealthy individual. So Rabbi Huda Nasi says to, you know, the people who work in his house, make way for the person who uh, possesses or who has 100 manas. So that's 100 times 100 zoos. Uh, as, uh, you know, the Steinzels likes to tell us. Um, but in other words, it's, you know, sort of an idiom to say, you know, this is a person with a tremendous amount of wealth. Right. Later, another person gave before him and Rabbi Huda Hanasi said to the people working his home, right, make way for someone who possesses or who owns 200 mana. So Ben Bonayas was described as 100 mana. The second person was described as having 200 mana. I'm going to fun of Rabbi Yishmael the Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yishmael, the son of Rabbi Yossi, said before Rabbi Huda Hanasi, Rabbi, right? He said, my teacher, okay, Aviv Shelzeh, Yeshlo Elif Sfinok Ayam, right? We're talking about Bonais, the father of this one, right, of this son. He has a thousand ships at sea. Ukenegdan Elif Ariyot Yavasha. And he also has a thousand towns on land. So look how much when we were introduced him before, we didn't realize that this is how much wealth he actually had. Um, so I think what he's trying to say, Rabbi Shmuel, is why are you saying he's 100 mana, his son, and this other guy you're saying is 200 mana? Like nobody could be wealthier than Ben Bonias, who has a thousand ships at sea and a thousand towns on land. Amarlo, Rabbi replies to him, Right? So he said to him, when you go to his father, when you see, you know, Bonias, you should say to him, do not send him to me in these garments. In other words, there was something about how the son was dressed that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi did not like, that they wasn't, I guess he was not dressed in a way that really showed what his wealth was and what his status really was in uh, society. So that's the first interesting piece here. Then the Gemara goes on to say the following, right? Rabbi Mechabed Ashirim, Right. That what? That Rabbi would honor the wealthy. Now, remember, this is interesting because we know, we'll see this in other later Gemaras, 
Rabbi Huda Nasi himself was actually very, very wealthy. He was politically connected. We'll see later. There's some Gemaras where he had a close relationship with one of the Roman emperors, but he himself was a very wealthy person. So he would honor the wealthy. Rabbi Akiva Machabed Ashirin. Rabbi Akiva would also honor the wealthy. Kidrash Rabbi Barami. Barmari, right? According to the interpretation of Rabbi Barmari, right? And what is the interpretation? They quote a pasuk from Tehillim, uh, Perak Samach Aleph, Pasuk Chet, chapter 61, verse 8. Right? May he be enthroned before God forever. Appoint mercy and truth that they may preserve him. When may he be enthroned before God forever? When he appoints, right? When he appoints man, mercy and truth that they may preserve him. So what He's using the word man to me, or Rabbi Bar Mari, is that man refers to like man, like a portion of food, right? And saying that if somebody provides food to others, then he deserves to basically be before God and to be shown honor and respect. And therefore, what the Gemara is trying to say here, it's not so much about honoring the wealthy, but it's about honoring those who are wealthy who also do chesed with that wealth. Um, but I could definitely. That's a that's an interesting interpretation. I understood man here to be like, Vayiman Hashem like in um, in Yonah when God appoints the fish, the big oh, fish. You might be right to swallow I Yonah. Totally be understanding it incorrectly. <laughs> I actually think yours is the right interpretation. Okay, fair enough. So, but in any case, meaning the the implication is pretty much the same, right? That there is a designation here. Right. That 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 shows the significance. Right. So I think there's two interesting things here. I think there's a whole interesting thing about the dress. Right. That in other words, Rabbi Huda Nasi is basically saying, if you have a particular status, you're actually supposed to show that status to people so that you're honored in a way that you're deserving of. Again, I'm not sure this is a real modern sensibility. I could see how someone could read this Gemara and be like, huh? Like, really? We care so much what people wear? I think but that I think the it's royalty... Like, it's, like, it's not modern. Like, it's... Like, you're just... No, but, for like, example, the, the, the royal... But the royal family of England, let's say, right? right? Even though royalty doesn't have the status that it once did, right? In terms of the monarchy, it's not the divine right of kings or something like that anymore. But, you know, besides the fact that every eye is on the princess's attire or that kind of thing, there's also a certain amount of, like, let's... let you know, that from their side of things, we're going to keep appearances up. We're going, right. We're going to make sure that we've got everything running, you know, commotion as it should be, because we are the royalty. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way to think about it, that I think people of a certain status, like it's a certain formality that kind of respects your wealth and your status. And then I think the second, and we would expect people also not to sh- show up as a love, right. Right? right. Like, I mean, honestly, we might think that of everybody, but we also know that that's not true. There are plenty of people, and I might even be one of them, who dress more casually, right? But that doesn't mean, right? But you still have like a, it depends on your your context and 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 I guess your standing in the in society, right? And then, um, and then you know the the second piece of it is again just this idea that Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Huda Nasi, you know, did feel like people who are wealthy, and particularly Rabbi Akiva, right? that people who are wealthy, who use that wealth for chesed, you know, they do deserve a certain type of respect for that. Um, and, you know, I thought that was an important point raised here on this staff. 
So I just want to add something that I've spotted here. I'm looking in the commentary that's on the Steinsatz Gemara's, right? So this is, it's in the English, right? Meaning it's in the English that Koran put out. Um, and it's a note quoting the Maharam, uh, it's quoting the Maharil, quoting the Maharam, which is as follows. He says that Rabbi Huda Anasi would honor the wealthy. You know, he himself was with, was was wealthy. He would honor other people who are wealthy, so that other people would learn from him. Meaning that it would be he was comporting himself in a way that he thought was model behavior, and the idea was that he wanted himself to be treated with honor for his wealth, according to this interpretation. It's a little bit of a, a convoluted comp- interpretation, but they, he wanted to be honored for his wealth rather than for his Torah. Because he didn't want, he didn't want to traffic in in Torah as a commodity, so he wanted the other people, you know, people in society, to say, "Ooh, there goes that wealthy man," as opposed to giving him honor because of his Torah learning, which I found to be very interesting really and also like, kind of counterintuitive. I really like that. I mean, it kind of goes against any formulation of something we would say, but the but right? what you said, Anne, like the idea that like. Torah is not a commodity is actually beautiful. Um, and I think that's actually a very nice interpretation of this Gemara. Right. And nowadays we say all the time, like, oh, you know, really, we want people to we want to appreciate people for their values and for their scholarship and for their learning and not for their material, you know, acquisition. But there's something to I think there's something to be said for this as well. I agree with you. I like this. Again, it's the Maharil citing the Maharam. Very nice. All right, now I think we have to okay. to get to. <laughs> we do. This Dav has a lot of things to talk about, um, and we're not going to get to all of them. Let's quickly go through the Mishnah. We have here competition. We have two Mishnahs on this Dav, and on the first Mishnah, we have competition for our very short Gemara that we had previously. This one is not as short, but it's quite short. We're going to go through that Mishnah at Gemara, and then we'll take a look at the next Mishnah. It's somebody who leaves his home and he's going to spend Shabbat somewhere else in a different town. Um, and the, the Mishnah here says, Echad nachri v'echad Yisrael, right? Meaning somebody's leaving their house for the weekend is the point. That either one, Jew or non-Jew, if they leave their home and they're going away for the weekend and then by leaving, right, then they render, if they render prohibited for the other residents to use that chatzer without them there, Right, so that's the issue, and and Rabbi Meir says either one of them, um, Jew or non-Jew, would make that prohibited. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Eino Oser, but Rabbi Yehuda says he does not make it prohibited because the point is like if you've left the place empty, then you've left the place empty, and you're not part of the count for that cooperative uh, group that's going to be making an error on the courtyard. So the machloket here, well, the the mission itself spells it out. Rabbi Yosi Omer Nachri Oser Yisrael Eino Oser. So Rabbi Yossi says that the non-Jew who might leave, you know, ostensibly leaves Friday afternoon or Friday late in the day, presumably for the weekend, um, is still going to prohibit that cooperative to to carry on with an Arab without him there. Because the concern is, what if he comes back while it's still Shabbos and now he wants to be able to use, you know, he has rights to that Arab I'm sorry, he has rights to that courtyard and he has not been, they have not had any kind of transactional um, agreement with him. So then that, so then he just 
you know, his absence prohibits their use of the courtyard. But for the Jew, according to Rebiosi, because the Jew is not going to come, again, the presumption here in the Mishnah is that Jews are Shomer Shabbat, even though that's not the presumption of nowadays, it is the presumption of the Mishnah. And so the, so then he, the Jew's not going to come back on Shabbat. So then they don't have to worry about him being there at all. And he's not part of that cooperative for that particular Shabbat. And therefore he doesn't, he doesn't, it's not a problem, right? They can make the air without him. Rabbi Shimon says, even if he went to spend Shabbos in, the, you know, walkable with his daughter, and so the possibility remains that he might actually walk back, you know, on Shabbos and come in the same way the non-Jew might come in. Rabbi Shimon says, even so, he doesn't, his absence does not prohibit the rest of the people to make their Eruv. Why? Because He's removed it from his mind. He, he's, he's spending Shabbos somewhere else. And the fact that he might return home does not seem does not bother Rabbi Shimon in this context at all. The Gemara's comments here on this, the mission is strange in that it says if he went to his daughter's house. Not if he went to somebody's house in town, but specifically the daughter. So the Gemara picks up on this and and jumps all over it. Amarav, halcha Rabbi Shimon. He, somebody, oh, I'm sorry, Halacha Rabbi Shimon, the Psak, Halacha, Rav says that we paskin like Rabbi Shimon in the Mishnah, Vidafka Bito, and it's very specifically his daughter of Albino, but if it were his son, no. Meaning, if it, he goes to his son's house, then this is not the Halacha, because the, and here, this is the implication here is a little tricky, right? You can't, you cannot be sure that he would stay in his son's house. And here we've got a very vivid metaphor. The Amre Inche Navach Bach Kalba Ul Navach Bach Guraita Puk. So this translates to mean if a dog barks at you, if a dog barks at you, go in. Uh, that's Ul, go in. If a female dog barks at you, Puk, you should leave. The implication being <laughs> that your daughter in law, Right, meaning uh, the the um, if you go to your daughter's house and she right because she's married and her husband barks at you, so you could still go in. Don't worry about it. She's she's you know got your back in the context of that house. But in, if the you go to your son's house and he's married and your daughter-in-law, who would not then be countered by her husband if she's being a shrew at you, uh, then you should get out. Because the implication here is that the daughter-in-law is much stronger of a personality than her husband, who is your son. So you need to, and so there's going to come the time that if she's, you know, being, I don't know, issuing commands or something, you might well take yourself high, high your way out of there and, and go home, which I find to be strange on so many levels and also very interesting. Look, the Gemara tends not to talk about that daughter-in-law relationship nicely. And this is one of those Gemaras. And I'm sure many people are going to read this and be like, I don't like it. <laughs> it's not my experience. And it's not so nice. And then, of course, there are going to be the people who identify with it. And there may be which is people, also, you know. Exactly. There may be some people who identify it. We can certainly recognize that even when we're making stereotypes and the, the halacha certainly sometimes needs to be based on generalizations, obviously it does not mean every case. And and there's no requirement that the man would would return home. It's just an example of why Dafka, his daughter's house, it's not an issue. And it would 
would the cooperative would stand. And from the son's house, there's a greater expectation, again, based on this generalization, there's a greater expectation that he might indeed return home. And then that would indeed, you know, get in the way of the cooperative from that's there, you know, from before he left. I don't understand, though, Yordana, why they're not. Okay, forget the non-Jew for a minute, but why the Jew who goes away for Shabbos? I don't understand why they're not just like participating in the the Eruv, like, you know, as a neighborly thing to do. Um, I think it wasn't a given. You know, there may have been like non-Jews who just were like, this means nothing to me and it's weird. And I think it is a reflection a little bit that like maybe sometimes those co-living together relationships were not always so great. Okay, fair enough. Okay, and then just very quickly, the second Mishnah here is talking, we've, we kind of have shifted gears altogether, and we're talking about a cistern, Bor, a cistern, so basically you have two courtyards, and you have a cistern, you know, some kind of pit that's filled with water, that is part, partially in each one of these two courtyards, and so you can't draw water from it on Shabbos, Ben Melamata, Ben Mitoch Ogno, right? So that you, unless you had it set up that you have a real partition there that's 10 fucking high, and you, and it's a real, you know, and again, it's a little bit architecturally difficult because of the way water works, right? Because water kind of, you know, attaches to itself. And then you don't really have a separation from one chater to the next because, because that's, again, that's just, you have this pool of water that happens to be on two people's property. Um, but if it has some kind of rim, that's the oh no, there's some kind of rim that can separate it out, or the machitza can really separate it out, then perhaps, then presumably you could draw water from within your own property. Reb Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Beit Shammai Omrim, Milamata, Obeid Hill Omrim, Milamala. So, of course, we have here a, a dispute between Beit Hill and Beit Shammai. The question is, where is the permission? Where is the partition? Right? Is the partition above or is it below? Because, again, the question, they're not saying it this way, but at the end of the day, the question is, how do you divide water in such a way that it is reliable, a reliable division? And then Rabbi Huda says, but just you should note that the partition itself is not going to be any bigger or any better than the wall that was between them to begin with. It's dividing between the chatzirot. Right, if you have a wall that's dividing the two courtyards and it goes over the the pit over the cistern, then you don't necessarily need to to set up another machitza. The whole thing of this, I feel, is I understand intuitively, perhaps wrongly, but intuitively, why drawing water from um, a pit that crosses the border of of territory becomes very complicated. Yeah, I mean, so the Gemara that follows here. Uh, you know, I couldn't really, Anne and I, when we were prepping this, we were sort of like, what section do we want to read? And we actually had difficulty sort of picking out one particular part. But what it's really discussing here is essentially the idea of, you know, does the water mix basically? Or, well, I would say this a little differently. I mean, the first piece of this is, you know, it really discussing sort of this pit that's between two chatzeros. And, you know, can you actually... Uh, draw water from it, and really going back to a very old machlokas between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, uh, you know, how do you actually have to make that 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 chutzer or, or any type of partition um, that you would have there, and then gets into this sort of very interesting discussion about like the water mixing, and that like 
one side is owned by one part of the water is owned by one chutzer, part of the water is owned by the other chutzer, and we sort of need to create some type of partition, uh, but that the water, according to Rabbi Hood, at least sort of can't mix, and that's why you sort of can't really find a good solution to this. Um, but then the second piece of the discussion on this staff really has to do with what is a you know is a hanging mechitza is that okay, right? Can you hang something as opposed to building a wall between these two chatzeros? Um, and, uh, you know, looking at that and whether or not that, that would be something that's okay. And again, I just want to point out here that again, we see our, our usual parallel, which is to sukkah, right? This seems to be- I was right, just going to say- to be the go-to place, right? That if we're talking about reconfiguring space or how to understand space, very often the Gemara will then go to- uh, you know, looking to um, looking to sukkah. Um, and so for this particular issue, you know, about whether or not uh, you can have a, you know, hanging partition, um, you know, they want to look to sukkah. Um, and I'll just read this part very quickly. It's non, right? They quote a Mishnah here. Right. So if you lower the sukkah walls from above going down, right, like let's say you hang a pole and you lower the sukkah walls, right, if they're higher than three tvachim high, then the sukkah is pasul. If it's lower than three tvachim, right, it's lavud with the ground, so it's, it's lavud, so it's considered to be okay, right? But if you go, but if you go from the ground up, you only need to be 10 tvachim high, which is really very interesting in terms of like a hanging. So in other words, it looks and acts more like a partition when it comes from the ground. Hanging seems to be an issue. Although when it works, and sometimes in sukkah it does work, it's a really cool, funky halacha, right? Like even just the issue of lavud, right? Where you have that gap that if it's just a small gap, you know, then it, then it's hanging, but it's as if it's attached to the ground. This is one of those, those are the kinds of, I would call them halachic legal fictions, right. right? That 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 kind of attest to the power of halacha to say there is a wall there, even though there's you could put your hand through it, you know, because it's physical, space, right? No, space. exactly. So, in a, you know, an interesting that that it's an interesting depth that's really sort of trying to explore how does space work, how does a partition work, can you do one that's actually um, hanging. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Uh, come sign up for our CM. We hope to see you there and we hope to hear from you. We hope to learn with you. Uh, until tomorrow, go and learn.